Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Wood from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. Now, but things before things get too serious, got to crack this beer open right here. It is three sixteen Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. Swig of beer for the working man. Just had to get that out of the way. This is episode number one hundred and thirty eight of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, right here in beautiful Sherrard, Illinois, sixteen hundred Buckslayer Place, right here in the Bucketorium. I'm Steve in the studio today. Kurt, Eric. Moneybags Mark Rife. Good morning, good morning. It bothers me that you don't give us a chance to like, hello, hey, I'm here. And then like you just like, Kurt, Eric, Mark. Well, you know, I want to just get it out of the way and let well, you, you get the intro. What the hell? Short and sweet or what? I, yeah, I just want to say what I got to say and then have, hand it off to you guys. That's all I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. Happy uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. Yes, yeah, thank you. Um, it's the one day that you can actually feel like all your wrestling talk is appreciated on the show. It is. I've seen all the <laughs> tags on Facebook. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you guys uh, want to... How many people tag you in th- Austin stuff? A lot. <laughs> like, a lot. Did and you wear a Stone Cold shirt today? No, because uh, those shirts were about 30 pounds ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe for two <laughs> seconds you lost 30 pounds, son. <laughs> Or 30 pounds before you no, got fatter. No, I gained 30 pounds. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Too many Arby's. Too many. Too many Arby's. I know you said you lost a little bit of weight, but I'm like, wait, which way did you go? Because I know you haven't lost 30 pounds, but you're on the right track. That that Budweiser's going to help you get there. Yeah. Yep. Whole silo of Budweiser. Steve um, Weiser. The Steve Weiser. The Thank Steve you. The Weiser. Steve Weiser. Yeah, I had to correct you on that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chug. Uh, Austin 316 says Steve's going to chug this beer, and that's the bottom line because uh, I said so. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by HHA Sports. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. The um, HHA Sports, man, the best single pin sites that your money can buy. Lifetime warranty, American made, and uh, Soon solid. To be the man. best, uh, best restaurant. Yeah, the Virtus twenty two is going to be coming out here real soon. Be on the lookout for that. Yeah, sometime in April. Um, I was texting Scott Bakken from HHA, and it's it's coming. It is. Just be patient. Lifetime warranty on all their products, um, which is awesome. But, yeah, definitely solid single pin sides. Um, 
try it out. Make the move. There's a lot of people that are scared of single They're pin. skeptical about it, but for, just give it a try. Give right. It a try. For good reason, it. though, yep. right? I mean, oh, yeah. I understand oh, yeah. like the why you're questioning it, but just give it a shot, especially if you shoot longer distance. It'll mm-hmm. really clear up your sight picture. Um, the podcast is also brought to you by Scent Crusher. Um, check out ScentCrusher.com. Um, basically, eliminate your scent with ozone. Um, from the ozone gear bag to the ozone roller bag, the tote, the ozone go, the hunter's closet. They even have an equipment station, the Washo 3, hook yes. it to your washer, and it like puts ozone in the water and eliminates scent as it washes your clothes. It's science. <laughs> science. That's what it is. Science. It's science. Yes, it is. We science. can't argue with science. Well, but science does say the earth is round. You know. We all know the earth is flat, but that's one thing that it really just proves science wrong. Um, <laughs> this <no>. is it. <laughs> but really, though, uh, Scent Crusher is awesome. It's uh, it's basically taking scent control to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we'll ask Mark this. Mark, back when uh, – let's let's talk about early 2000s scent control, like the sprays <laughs> and, and shit were getting big. Like no one ever thought about ozone, right? Oh, no. No, I had a dirt wafer hanging on the back of my hat. Earth scent. Yeah, earth oh, scent. Yeah. Oh, classic. And, uh, yeah, and the HS scent spray. That's about all. You know, I always used to say I'd take a green soap shower. Everybody's like, yeah. what's a green soap shower? Uh, Hunter specially made this soap that was green. Yep. yep. <laughs> the liquid whether, soap. I think they, like they still spray. make it. Yeah. They still make <laughs> whether it. Whether it think. worked or not, who knows? I used it. You know. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I still use that stuff, and I always try various brands because right. it's the same shit in a bottle, but they just put a different label right. on. I'm like yep. a little work. Yep. And then, but but really though, like you are saving money because I don't spray near as much like field spray yeah. on my clothes. Actually, I didn't at all this year. I just ozoned it. Um, and I killed a bucket six yards downwind, so I don't really know. Maybe it was luck, but I, I'm saying proof is in the pudding. So uh, <laughs> the pudding, the rice pudding. Yeah, Scent Crusher's come oh. a long way since back then. I can tell you that. Much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it is almost St. Like, Patrick's Day. The proof is in the rice pudding or bread pudding. <laughs> Mess that up. <laughs> um, I don't even know who else the podcast is brought to you by. Smith's Steve Custom Meats me. and Deer yeah. Processing, bro. Yeah. That's right. Or as you. Eric calls it, Smith's Custom Deer Processing, which. It's technically true. He's not wrong. Yeah. yeah, in, in Viola, yeah. Illinois, go check him out. He's on Facebook. Also, down uh, just south of us, guys, Ross Bigger at 164 Outdoors. You might know Ross from Respect the Game. You might. You might. Maybe you probably should. Get, maybe you should. shouldn't give out his phone number on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's on his website. <laughs> Good point. It is literally on his website. Yeah, when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, it's funny, but... It's on his sticker, too, so 309-221-2425. Tell him the working-class bow hunter sent you. So if we weren't supposed to give it away, at least he's going to know how we got that. He's going to have to make a 164 outdoors phone. He'll probably charge you more if you said said we sent you. (laughs) Yeah, if you're in the Monmouth area, go check check him out. Elite bows, new new and used, used. all the gear, all the clothing. Um, Accessories, we can't forget about that. Definitely. He's got a cool little setup, so it's... You know he sponsors the show. He supports us in what we do, but he's going to charge you more if he sa- if he finds out you heard about it through our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't let don't him know. Him you, don't let him know you know me. Uh, <laughs> prices are going to skyrocket. It's the new thing. It's a working class bow hunter markup. Like, no, you worked hard for your money, <laughs> but uh, just work Saturdays for a couple of months. You'll be fine. Oh boy, <laughs> that's not true at all. Uh, tell him that we sent you, and then he might. He might. I don't know. I can't say what he's going to do. Why did we get down this rabbit hole here? You know, we can't get out of it. Yeah, we can, we can easily get out of it because I'm going to shout out a vet right now. There you go. Awesome. Yep. So the, the vet shout out this week came from uh, from our friend Aaron Adkins. It's his grandfather, Grover C. Adkins. He was uh, he was in World War II as part of the Third Army, Fourth Armored Division, and Tenth Armored Infantry. He was part of the task for, and I'm going to mess this up, Baum, a mission rescue in General Patton's son-in-law from a from a Nazi prison. So 352 soldiers started the mission. Only 14 made it back. The rest were killed or captured. He finished his tour of duty with, check this out, five purple hearts, Whoa. two bronze stars with uh, oak leaf clusters and various other medals, namely combat infantry badges. So... <laughs> It goes on from there. He was at the liberation of Bastong, World War II vet, um, history buffs, help me out. Bastong, where he destroyed two enemy tanks with a bazooka. Wow. He was a tough old bird, great hunter, hardworking, and a good man. Hats off to you, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is the funniest Damn. thing. 
He said he remember him killing a seven-point buck with an M30 carbine when he was a kid. Nice. They did things a little bit differently, but, yeah. man, with a track record like that, man, thank you for your service, buddy. And uh, It's a real man. Good. Damn, right. God. That's awesome. Five Purple Hearts? That means you got shot Crazy. like five times. Is five that right? Times, or injured. Yeah, yeah injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Thank you for your service, man. I, I, I really don't know what That's else good. to say to when you hear that. It's so. incredible. Um, I believe he's since passed on uh, a couple years back, but, um, you know, his memories lasted. And, hey, we're doing this podcast in English. So that's right. That's right. Take a vet. Um, this podcast, we're getting back to the roots of the podcast mm-hmm. of what we do. And uh, we're going to just talk about various assortment of things. Um, basically, what's going on right now is you guys are well aware shed season's going on. If you haven't found a lot of sheds, like you're in the same boat as I, as I am, <laughs> I'm I'm two up. Eric's I don't know how many up you are. Six. And that's a little, that's on the low spectrum of our group of friends. Steve, I found a turkey feather. That doesn't that doesn't count. <laughs> I'm upset you even mentioned that. I uh, that's not how this works. No, we're not. You don't need to go into detail no. about it. So what I want to do is to kind of get things rolling here. I want to talk about. Uh, there's a cool article that was up online from the National Deer well, NationalDeerAlliance.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a blog post they put up. Uh, Ten ways. You know what's funny? I think this deer that's actually in the blog was shot on a property I used to hunt, too. I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> Ten ways to show honor and respect for your kill. And uh, there's basically they list off ten things, which there's things that we can throw in, too. Um, from our point of view, like number 10, give thanks. Um, if you're no matter like in here, it says no matter your religious beliefs, killing an animal offers an opportunity to give thanks. Uh, many of us choose to honor the animal through prayer and give thanks to God. If that's not your preference, that's okay. We're all hunters on the same team. Um, it's just respectful to give thanks yeah. either. If you're thanking God, thanking whoever, or just thanking like, the animal for his life or however you want to look at it is all fine, but yeah. I think that's super important. Or the opportunity to be able to be on that property, you know that that's a big thing. Where if you can thank the the farmer that you're hunting their property, mm-hmm. anything like that, or you just be thankful for the moment and then in like your own With successful hunt. I mean, right? It's yeah, all about. you don't really necessarily need to be thinking anything in, in in general, but you can just be like think overly expressive of how thankful you are for that sure, moment, sure, which I feel yeah. like I find myself in that. But I feel like. There's like a spirit in the land, like Steve Rennell talks about it. Like he eats an animal from the land he hunts, and he feels like it gives him like a deeper spiritual like connection to that property. Well, it's all the hard work, hard work you put in, you know, and it just makes that all that much better, you know. Right. And there's that cool part of respecting taking the animal's life too. I've seen like uh, on some hunts where there were some Indians, they would take something and and hold it and start it on fire and let the smoke go around the deer. Or the turkey oh, or yeah. whatever, oh, cool. and do a little saying and you know respect the taking of the animal's life that it'll provide for you. So right, right, pretty cool thing. It's super cool. I mean, yeah. I mean to, to even, I mean, you just have to be respectful yeah. on all yeah. aspects. But which remember, is, this is cool. But respect the game. That's right. On sports, That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. Um, they have on here number nine is like recover the animal quickly. Yeah. Um, you owe it to your harvester recover it as quickly as possible to maximize the consumable meat, which is, that's a kind of an obvious thing. Like that's that's always weighs on a hunter's mind. If you make a bad shot, it's like son of a bitch. Like I don't want to have to wait overnight. Uh, you know, it's the last thing you want to have to do. But sometimes sometimes you, you got to do it. Though. You have to yeah. do it. But yeah. it's always weighing on your mind. Like. I want to find it. I don't want it to be tore up. I want. Mm-hmm. That's the night where you don't sleep and you're thinking about it twenty four seven. Right, and that's the thing too. Like anti hunters, people who don't hunt, think well, trophy hunting is just for antlers. But it's like you don't shoot the deer or elk or whatever. You just let it, it is. lay there and cut the antlers off. Like that's not what it's about. Yeah. People don't get it. It's right. not like number one concern is I want to find it because I don't want it to be tore up. Yeah. yeah, you know, and tore up because if it's tore up by something else, it's less meat for you to eat. Yep. Yeah, them sure. coyotes be thankful that you didn't come get that. Right. I mean, so uh, number eight, they have clean the animal thoroughly, which obvious yeah. reasons for your own personal like consumption. And, and you should just do that anyway, especially if you're going to be. Um, that's why you take it to Smith. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you don't clean the, the deer yourself or, you know, I'm sure you feel dressed up. But if you don't butcher the deer yourself, right. Smith takes care of that in a, in a clean process, which is a good point, Eric. Um, and going in kind of related, they have number seven, share the meat. Uh, and we're not really we're kind of going off the topics here of like what they have, but uh, 
what I like to do when I shoot a deer is like if I find someone's like, oh, I've never had deer meat, it blows oh, my mind, yeah. and I'm like, I need to cook you something. Yeah. That, well, we, I had it one time from my Uncle Jim, and I didn't like it. It tasted gamey. Well, it's like, yeah, but <laughs> that's the same thing you owe. That's, that is the fallback excuse. Every time I try to – I love Indian food, and every time I'm like, let's go get Indian food. Ah, we tried it once. We didn't like it. Same thing with venison. Tried it once. I don't know. Didn't if you're like a, it. I don't know if that's comparable. It is comparable. People, <laughs> it's that I tried it once. I didn't like it. Well, you're lying because you never tried it in a good way. Well, it's just it's never been. I don't think deer's that like personally. I don't think deer's that gamey compared to. I mean, other stuff, but well, the thing yeah. is, here's what it is, and I Steve Ranella's quote is like, if you think wild game or deer or whatever it may be tastes gamey. You you've you've grown up eating. Wait, what is? How's it go? You've grown up eating the wrong thing, and you don't really know what animals taste yeah, yeah. like. Because <laughs> exactly. when I was in Brazil for work last summer, their beef is very similar. To, in my opinion, there's a lot, obviously there's going to be other people that disagree. Their beef tastes very similar to venison to me, and I think because it's more of like a. I don't think it's pumped full of the stuff we pump them full with, <laughs> and I feel like it's more of. A, a, nat- a natural state. It's more of an air quote free ranging type of yeah. cattle. Yep. They just don't have Monsanto yet, bro. It's yeah. any time. But like it's coming. I was down there with our, our buddy Cameron Tank. We work at the same place down Tank there. Tank Cameron Brazil. Tank. And I, I took a bite of the steak. I'm like, dude, this kind of reminds me of venison. Hmm. You know, it's a little fattier and stuff like that, but very similar, I thought. Hmm. But delicious. You know, someone from up here that's never eaten deer meat and all they grew up on is beef steak, they went to Brazil and ate one of their steaks. They might be like, this tastes funny. Yeah. But they wouldn't know why. But it's that, uh, you know, if you're, anybody that's on the East Coast, you eat seafood, you know, clam chowder, things like that. I guess it's just where you grow up. A lot of Mediterranean food is a lot of olives. I just can't stand olives, but I didn't have to grow up around it. So, yeah. Well, part of the reason. That- <laughs> I guess if like, uh, yeah. Cut them off, Mark. Shut yeah. up, Steve. Yeah. Part yeah. of the reason that, you know, somebody might say that is because they didn't take care of their animal property to begin with. You know, I used to work right. at a meat locker and, you know, I do taxidermy too. And people sometimes just, if you're new or, you know, even if you've cleaned a few deer, there's every now and again, my dad will say, dude, can you show me again? And he's been hunting forever, right. but I just always clean his deer. So, you know, you leave something in there, take the esophagus out, you leave, you know, some people just, they're quick, they're in a hurry, it's cold, they don't get all the, you know, internal organs out. Right. You That's know, a good point. It can really mm. change the taste of the meat. They yeah. had some dry old steak one day, and, oh, I don't like deer, you know. Well, well how the had, hell did you cook it? Yeah, if you well, had it done, yeah. yeah, about exactly. to say, it's always, it's yeah. also, too, Grandpa, the way you cook it. Yeah, Grandpa Joe got me a deer steak, and it was gross, you know. Well, well yeah. but the thing is, too, like, <laughs> deer steak, what I do, when I when I cook just a deer steak, and I'm not talking backstrap, I'm not talking tenderloin, basically you're searing each edge of it for a few minutes, and then I put it on a plate and cover it with foil and let it, I guess, rest would be the proper yeah. term, and it still, like, cooks, mm-hmm. and... It's just like people are like, you, that's awful pink. I'm like, yeah, but listen, you, you just don't get it. Like, it's it's venison. It's not, it hasn't been handled by 100 people at the Tyson right. meat packing plant yeah. and thrown into some <laughs> shitty cellophane <laughs> packaging and sat on the shelf at Walmart for 30 days, way past, past the expiration date, and then re-soaked with blood to look fresh and red again. Yeah. And then you bought it. Like, <laughs> it went from the field, maybe to Smith's. Maybe it didn't go to anyone. It just went from the field to your butchering table to the freezer you know where it came from you can sure. eat it eat that however in my opinion eat it however the hell you want to eat it yeah you hey, know would you eat pickled venison absolutely would you i i was curious to try it i just don't have the patience to sit there and do the mason jars and i don't have the space to let i've never sit. had it um like i know a lot of people do like pickled deer heart um, well they used to do it all the time because they didn't have freezers so. well they, yeah it's true i've eaten deer heart raw so I feel like pickled deer heart would be completely fine hmm. for me. You know what I mean? I like I haven't eaten it. like a, like a lot of deer heart raw. It was kind of like I took a bite. I told this on the podcast. Before. Uh-huh. Me and Tyler took a bite raw. I don't know. It didn't hurt me. <laughs> I mean, maybe it did. <laughs> maybe, maybe it did. You know, maybe you're living in a state <laughs> of delusion. Maybe like you're in a you're in the you. you're in the loony bin <laughs> right now. You're thinking, man, I'm having this great life running this very successful podcast in Gerard, Illinois. A L- little bit of yeah. escardo. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if I don't know a different difference, what the hell's it matter? Exactly. Yeah. That's that's how I want to go out nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that actually wouldn't be that bad. Why not? Um, 
they have on here also number six. Take good photos. Yeah, oh boy, this is this is. I enjoy Kurt this article, man. It's a good article. This is what you preach. You love good photos because it it shows, dude. You cared enough about this animal that you took to not only take the time to get good photos, but so you always remember it. That's a this is a big one. I just hate like I'm not even a good photographer. I'm not mm-hmm. like I'm really not. But I just feel like it's important to like take the time to take fifty photos, hundred photos of a deer. You and you spe- might and you might only use one. You know, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think was it last year I took deer photos for almost every one of our friends. Not that I'm good at taking photos, but it's better than your cell phone photo in the back yeah. of the truck. Sure, I, I have pictures of a couple of pictures of the biggest deer I've ever shot, and they weren't good pictures. Is just a little thirty-five millimeter snap, snap, and it's <laughs> the wide-up ones. Yeah, and I look back now, and I hate that we didn't have cell phones like that. And, right, you know, because every de- every deer I get now, whether it's big or small, doe or whatever, every harvest take a picture of. Right, I think but, I've been trying to take at least like fifty to hundred photos of every uh, kill. I was going to say harvest, but like, like, let's just be honest with ourselves. You killed um, it, yeah. <laughs> um, and I have it on a hard drive, and I cl- I'll click through and find a different angle. And I'm like, I didn't maybe not didn't like it at the time, but now looking back, when I was 15 or 16, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty cool picture. Like, I haven't looked at that angle for a while, so I'll save that one and pull it out of the folder, that type of thing. But uh, and that's one thing that if you're out there listening, this is a really cool thing that you can do kurt when you were uh you had this property and you you always took photos every deer camp you know you were the little kid with the photos but we sit here sometimes after podcast and we go over and you show me the pictures and it made me feel like i was there i always like right. when when people can take photos of you know the situation that was there i think some social media does a really good job of like here i was in the stand but it's not always telling the whole picture. I think a lot, or the whole story. But I think a lot of pictures do some really good things with recreating that moment, recreating that sure. story. Especially if you, have, if you have a camera there right away, you know, you kind of get the yeah. whole like recovering the animal when you get up to it and the whole experience. And hunting's one of those rare times that you can take a boatload of pictures and know that maybe something magical might happen. You know, it's not like a, uh, it's not like, oh, we ran into so-and-so and and it was the greatest moment of my life. It's, you know what you're going to do so you can document it the whole way. Sure. And sometimes you're going to be successful, sometimes you won't be. But hunting's one of those beautiful things that you can always document it. It's it's an awesome adventure. Well, Mm -hmm. for, for, for me compared to, here's me with my coffee on the beach. Or here's me with my family right. and my tradition and my history. Yeah. And, sure, it's a yeah. deeper you know, experience, man. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, people don't, like, for me, hunting and the whole aspect of it is, it's a, uh, it's like a really deeply personal thing for me. And I almost, I don't really know how to say this without sounding, I don't know. I don't really know how it would come off, but like. When you see people that aren't really into it and like maybe some that's why we kind of hate on some of the industry where it's like yeah oh you're just doing this to have a tv show or like Mm -hmm. some of the girls out there and we all know what i mean is like okay you're an instagram hunter yeah and i take a little bit of offense to it like you're infringing on something that's very personal to a lot of people and that grew up doing it and their family did it and you're kind of taking it and you're making you're creating an image for something that people care about so deeply in a certain way and you're kind of like in a way, trashing it. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense, kind of, or am I coming yeah, off? Yeah, no, and, 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 and I'm going to put you over here, uh, Kurt. You're the, you're the one guy that is always thinking about hunting. Um, there's, you know, the people out there that say, hey, I like to hunt it. If you like to, great. If you love it, that's even better. But Kurt's one of those guys that you don't see behind the scenes the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into producing this this podcast would not work without kurt's hard work and the guy's always thinking about hunting and it's always in a positive way we'll sit there and talk i i don't think we've ever had a conversation where hunting didn't get brought up and we're friends we talk every single day and the amount of respect that you have 
for the hunting industry and um, the hunting in, in general is one of those things that it's you got to understand if if you're sitting out there listening oh yeah Kurtz is trashing like you don't get it I'm not you trying to hunting. trash anything I but know and if I appreciate it, if, what you're saying but I if really it comes do. off that way and because it, nobody it, like all of us in this room know you and what you do and we certainly appreciate it man I've sat here a lot of nights and <laughs> just seen the frustration but the hard work just to keep putting out something that you love that's a really cherishable thing all right well, i appreciate good. that that's very kind of you and i just want to put you over because you know i feel like <laughs> people they don't get it you know they, well, the they, thing they is, go like, out there think, and take, think about this like and i think a lot of people can relate to this would any of us be as good of friends we are we might know each other but would we be as good of friends if it wasn't for hunting? No, oh, hell for sure no. Not. Would hell we? No. no. Would we even fucking know each other if it wasn't yeah, for hunting? No, no. no. probably not. Nope. Maybe, but probably not. No, I know <laughs> I wouldn't know you guys because we—that's how we met. I never. Yeah, met hell, yeah. Either. Mark is a taxidermist. I'm a Pope and Young measure. That's how we met. Exactly mm-hmm. through hunting. Exactly that brought hunting brought me and Steve together because I want to start a hunting podcast. He did a different type of podcast. Yeah, that automatically common interest, but through hunting continued that friendship i met eric through uh beer volleyball (laughs) but the only reason why i talked to eric is because he hunted you know and it just that's how it is and i think a lot of people can relate to that and uh it's kind of the point of bringing up this article is it takes us off on different um i guess revenues of conversation we want to we want to bring you respect i mean we're not going to be sitting here feeding you guys a bunch of garbage that you just want to hear uh if we, if you guys want to just hear just some dumb hot chicks on the podcast, we can really work yeah. that out, and we'll take a bunch <laughs> oh. of behind the scenes photos. All you got to do is let us know. I can make that happen, um, but that's really not the direction I want to take this show. I'm looking for more of a deeper working right. class connection with yeah. this. But I mean, if you're like, yeah, screw all that, that's overrated. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't mind selling out and really just switching, switching <laughs> yeah. around. Son, I promise that will happen. Yeah, come on. You know, what's better than a picture of Grandpa in a red plaid shirt holding a big ten? Exactly, that's hanging right. from a pole. Here's so people grow up with man that's what we did Heck yeah, here, here is here is one of the one of the things about us you know you see working class bow hunter the name and we always get a lot of guys in mercer we love mercer county illinois this is where we're at right now hashtag and we love team mercer county hashtag team mercer <laughs> county oh what's that uh bring that dude's name up i forgot to give him a shout out he uh hooked us up with the uh jim i can't i can't pronounce his last yeah, name I, I can't pronounce <laughs> it either but you see that and then you see we get a lot of uh a lot of guys that are on shows you know, hunting shows, all-time great hunting legends. This is we grew up idolizing these dudes, and it's cool for us, the working men, and working men, and <laughs> there's the ladies. But we always idolize these people, and so for us to be able to to be the working man, start something, and talk to these people, we hope that's an inspiration for you guys to go out there and do something great. Uh, you know, I know we're getting off on a bit of a tangent, but this is what's great about podcasts. We love doing this, and it's because we loved it so much, we've gotten to talk to people that we idolized. And we really right. want to be that old right. grandpa in that picture mm-hmm. someday. And for we, sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we want to be the guys to, you know, be able to pass on to our grandkids, hey, look, and just share the memories. Yeah, this right. is a tradition. Well, that's that's what brings up the thing. Like, share, um, basically, take good photos, share your experience online, which, you know, take it or leave it. It depends on what you do. Immortalize your harvest with taxidermy, which, Mark, obviously, we, we can get into that. Teach someone else to hunt, which that we'll, we'll go into that as well. And then, uh, like, support just support it through um, conservation organizations. Yes. But, like, talking taxidermy, man, since we're kind of on, like, our own separate tangent here with like the we, haven't, we haven't done this in a while. I know. Just no. a podcast with yeah. just us where just, we can just do whatever the hell we want. We need, we're going to do it more. Like yep. we're, we're running out of scheduled podcasts, which is completely fine. Like I want to get back to what we do. <laughs> like we, we, we were booked for like three months, but, uh, it was great. Oh, it, oh, we had an awesome time, but for sure. Um, but like taxidermy is one of those things. Like there's the nostalgia of hunting. Like you grow up with the, your grandpa, your dad, or someone in your family, an yep. uncle had shot this monster deer and like he had it mounted probably back in the day. It was like, yeah, yeah. maybe an okay mount, <laughs> but like, you know, there's a certain mounts that 
Like it's my just, dad's it, buck, the Geyer buck. Oh, right. Geez, yeah. It's a net 183 mainframe eight pointer, and yeah. it's just monstrous. That buck will be a legend in my family forever. But oh, with, yeah. with taxidermy, though, it preserves that memory. Like you'll always have that hanging on your wall, so you'll always get to remember that moment. You know? Right. Well, the, I, Mark, like you can take this away with this. Like taxidermy, like first, why did taxidermy appeal to you? It, like, do you remember like when you're like, I want to be a taxidermist. Do you remember that whole like thought process? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess I go back when I was a kid, the, the coolest thing that I ever remember. And that's, what's neat when people get to experience this is that my dad and my <clears throat> uncle were farmers in West Virginia and we, you know, they live in the mountains. I mean, this is legit. And we'd go there on the summers and I'd walk in and there'd be guns and gun racks. And, but then you'd come in the kitchen and over the stove, there'd be this antlers hanging there with John Deere hats hanging off the points. <laughs> and you're like, that's real farm. That's real country. That's oh, real yeah. history. Yeah, right. Right. So you look at that rack and then you go and you visit people and you see their, you know, you see their mounts and their houses and you're just, wow, that's crazy. That's cool. Or, mm -hmm. or if you grow up that way, it's just normal. And you just yeah. get infatuated with that idea. Someday I want to get one of those. Right. You know? So for me, I guess it was more that I've always loved growing up hunting and fishing. always loved it. And I remember I was doing union construction, sheet metal work and just not liking it. And all these years, thinking there's got to be a way that i got to be able to make a living in the hunting and fishing industry somehow. Right. Mm -hmm. So you start thinking and picking your brain, you know, do you want to be a game warden? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Well, at the same time, I was going through that process in my life and thinking about getting out of the union. I uh, It was time to pick up the biggest deer I ever killed from my taxidermist back in the day. And I just started thinking when he gave me the call, hey, I'm handsy, I'm craftsy, I've always been a guy that's – you know, built stuff. I wonder if I can do that. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, and had considered it a little bit. Oh, wouldn't it be cool to be tax taxidermist like everybody maybe joking says around? Once. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but then when I really started getting, you know, to the point where I was going to quit my job, I was like, I've got to do this. So I went and picked up my deer, talked to him, asked him because I'd been online looking up schools, and he told me which one he thought I'd go to, and. I said, yeah, that was the top one on my list. Mm -hmm. So I just said, this is it. And I quit a $25 an hour union job, <laughs> a construction truck and benefits and everything and said, that's it, dude. I'm going to, I'm doing this. Take this job and shove it. And you weren't going to hear no more. Yeah. I went to a really serious school so I could avoid trying to learn for 10 years by videos and right. magazines. Mm, smart choice. Online stuff. I just jumped right in and said, sink or swim, son. You know, I got to do it. And so that takes a lot of balls. It man. does. It, it, it does. It was a balls. big job. Yeah. You and know? you had a, you had a family at this time too, you know? Yeah. Really, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. So did you quit your day, regular day job and went straight into taxidermy school? Yeah. I, I straight up wrote a letter, took my phone, my company phone and everything that I had, all the keys from the company walked into the office and put them on the desk. And this and was, said, this was before you even went to school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And I said, that's <laughs> it. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I got a better idea. Oh, and you made that's awesome, man. millions so, being a tax. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. it worked out. Been starving ever since. <laughs> <laughs> that's super inspiring, though, to, like, chase your dream. Yeah. You had to think about that for at least a couple oh, months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Ask guys that worked with me. I was pretty miserable at the end. Oh, I wanted sure. to get out so bad and do Jesus. that. I wanted to go to taxidermy school and just do, you know, I would just those uh it's amazing mountain lions jumping off a rock you know all the all right. the african animals you see that people mount i belong to some you know i'm friends with some good really good taxidermists out west that get to mount those animals that we don't see around here yeah and you're just like oh it's man crazy. now before all before all yeah. you knuckleheads sit here and listen on your lunch break or when you're working don't go quit your day job yet because yeah. uh, the amount of things that every time I go to go it's to your still shop, work, it's still work. Oh, it it's is. Always, yeah. It's work. And the amount of knowledge that you have and just the little tips and, sh you know, like you had uh, you had a ball bat that you carved down and that there's no way that that was going to be in the tool list that you needed yeah, to right. have. Yeah. That's just things you pick up. It The amount of knowledge that you have with this stuff. 
is nuts. Yeah. Well, the thing oh, is, like, leading back yeah. into, like, the nostalgia of, like, hunting and the history. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know really how we got off on all this, but, like, you are playing a part in, like, say you were the guy who mounted my dad's monster. Yeah. You know, you are a part of that history and, for like, sure. something I'm going to look at forever. Yep. And, you know, that mountain is going to get passed down to me. And then hopefully I have a son that gets passed down to him. Yep. And, that you know. You just and, keep the tradition going. I mean, that's what yeah, it's all right. about. It's yeah. crazy. It's, I, yeah, I, that's absolutely the way I look at it too, for sure. I don't care, you know, if I'm the slowest dude in the world. It's got all the respect in the world for me. It's top notch from front to back. I don't care. I don't cut in any corners because it is history and it is something that's. Right. Uh, if I was going to hang that thing in my wall, um, in my house, that's what I'd want it done. It's but a I respect think, thing too, right? Man. Absolutely. But I think a lot of people see that as too, like you know, if you want the best work done. You're gonna have to wait for it. Yeah. yeah, and that's how I am. Like, if it if a taxidermy, if he's the best one in the world, he's like, oh, it'll be five years. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I kind of compare taxidermy to tattoos, man, in a weird yeah. way. Like, oh, sure, some of the sure. best tattoo artists are expensive and they're not fast, and that's yep. just the oh, way no. it is. Yep. I just uh, I found our million dollar idea, fellas. Oh, jeez. Oh, all right, so Mark, we're gonna get a bunch of headshots because I I personally <laughs> feel like I wish everybody that I interact with could meet you because you're a fantastic <laughs> dude you love the sport i'm you scared to hunting, meet some of half taxidermy the people you interact with <laughs> <laughs> you know let's let's not go down that wormhole not this podcast we don't have enough time in the world but we should start having mark send autographed headshots of your best taxidermy <laughs> five bucks five bucks but go. we gotta it's pay it's funny you say that because <laughs> last night i actually saw a conversation on like taxidermy 101 forum or whatever and somebody was new into taxidermy and they said you know how long do you guys put into your mounts <laughs> and it varied basically almost everybody was 10 12 hours some guys were like me however long it takes right and there was one guy on there two to three hours and I'm like, that's it yeah and he produced some pretty nice work but i you know, Bondo know. this. Yeah, this yeah. Bondo does that. paper mache yeah. even dry in two to but, three hours? Yeah. <laughs> Do neck mounts count? Yeah. But, yeah. but in his defense, I mean, he had a guy that did all his skin work, so he got oh, it back yeah. and mounted it. And that's a huge part of the process, big time. But, um, yeah, it's just... I just was like, I don't even care. I could never mount a deer in two or three hours. There's just so much to learn about it. You'll never, ever stop learning. That's what's exciting about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, some, it's something different every day. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're still doing the same shit, but it's yeah. something yeah, different. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did the intern type, and I was laid off. That's how we end up. I measured a deer at Mark's studio for a guy because I'm a Pope Young measurer. And I was like, man, you know, I went to taxidermy school with a legend, Joe Meter, mm-hmm. and, and Solon, Iowa. And I was like, hey, man, if you need help, I'd like to help you. And so I was laid off one winter and helped Mark. And that's what I learned. It's like everything is different. And it's absolutely horrifying. Like I can't imagine. I mean, maybe if I went to like a long, lengthy taxidermy school like what you did, like mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable mounting a deer. Yeah. But you'd be surprised. Like, And we're all going to have like a get-together in your shop and, and yeah. work on some stuff. And kind of everyone can learn a little bit. I'm, all the I'm work. real interested in it because you know, I like building stuff and doing It'll blow your guys' so mind. Like, oh, he ran through me how he does – how. Money bags. Mark Rife does ears. <laughs> yeah, good. Ear, God, man. ears scare me. I like Dude. doing eyes a lot because I'm not. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm good at doing eyes, like the sculpting of the eyes. Mm-hmm. But I feel comfortable under your supervision, Mark, yeah. because if I watch Mark sculpt an eye, and it's difficult. Like you can't just it like put it together. It takes smoothing out and like contour yeah. and all this like finute detail. See, like, like I love that shit. Like. Just going in and just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like, that's what I like doing. Yep. It blows your mind. It really does. Every angle, every curve, every... Even I remember the one day you said something so subtle to me that made all the sense in the world. You're like, dude, you just know how to, like, use your paintbrush at the right angles and mm-hmm. and then hold it this way and then go back and forth that way. And just but, the knowledge of the way to rub the clay with your fingers is just... That comes is. from yeah. experience, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. It goes back to... Mem- so I, I mounted a book in taxidermy school, and then I finished it at Mark's taxidermy studio, and we were doing the finished work. And Mark sets up his uh, airbrush and sets up, like, I don't know, this buck that I mounted, I found dead in, like, 0304, and it's just a monster. Mule yeah. deer splits off the G2s, like... 
12 pointer. It's probably in the 160s. Really cool deer. So, and just pretty white tines. I had them on yeah. film that year. And I, we start airbrushing. I'm like, Mark, this is scary. He's like, Oh yeah, I guess I should probably should have had you practice on something yeah. else. <laughs> sink, he sink, just throws you in there right yeah. away. Sink or swim, boy. So yeah. I'm like, Yeah, paintbrushing. Do this. Yeah. You know what? Uh, or airbrushing. But yeah, this whole conversation comes back to to the article that we're we're talking about. It's it's all about showing respect to the harvest. That's probably a big key. That when you go to talk to a taxidermist. You know, is it going to be, okay, I give you this much money, you're going to get this product back this quickly, or is it going to be a situation where you're going to take time because you know that this was the buck of a lifetime for me, and you're going to take the time to preserve that memory? And that's kind of what we've been talking about. you got to find guys like Mark. You know, for all you out there and not around here, that's going to be a huge thing. If, and I want to ask this question, Mark, if somebody was looking for a taxidermist and they had three potential interviews set up, what would be the top three questions you would ask a taxidermist to know? That's a great question. What they're going to get. Yeah, I think basically I've said things, I've gone over things in the podcast to look for before, but I guess I would ask them, first of all, what tanning process do they use you know because some guys will dry preserve them some guys there's so many different little quick rub on tans out there that mm-hmm. so what's I, what's the best i want to hear that your skin went through a pickle solution or an alum which is an aluminum type of tan that a powder so i want to i want to know that your your skin went through a pickle acid mm-hmm. solution of some sort and was legitimately tanned there's a right. million different shortcuts. I salted it. Yeah, I salted it. Yeah, and then I rubbed some magic <laughs> dust on it. It's, it's called dry preservative. But uh, yeah, and borax and things like that. It's just well. One thing I want to talk about is like there's guys that have hunted for 15 years and claim all this stuff about being the yeah. best hunters, and you look at their mounts and like, dude, you you're supposed to be this guy who knows what deer look like, <laughs> yeah. like know all this stuff, and like. You have this many mouths and they look like fucking dog shit. Yeah, like yeah. you're looking at it like you know that some bitch wasn't cross-eyed. Maybe yeah. that's how you keep shooting your well, deer. The thing is, like, and I hate seeing this. It breaks my poor soul, man. Like oh. when, I, when we go to the Iowa Classic and you see a 215 inch deer yep. and yep. the eyes look like they've been it's in the headlights of a car and it's like it looks like it's getting hit by a car right when they got mounted. Kurt, you were sitting there like you were saying something about a mount, and I, I swear to God, the guy who shot it was like right next to you. And it it was clearly bad. It, like, it was it was so obvious that it was. And bad. you were saying that you're like, dude, did he mount that with like? I, it it I just breaks my heart, man. Because like, yeah, it, Mark, and the guy it, was like right there, I think, because some guy shot a look at you, and I was like, hey, let's keep walking, dude. <laughs> like when, like when you go to a classic, like something like that, where there's a bunch of mounts, do you just sit there and like? Does shit just pop out? Oh, you yeah. Know, like, oh. I pick yeah. them apart. I remember, like, I was into it a couple of years, and I went down there with my carpenter, and he had a brother that had some stuff done at a guy that was kind of famous around here. And I was, you know, just out of school, and I'm, he's like, he was having me do his, and he's like, I want mine to be better than my brother's. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, but you're going there, so we'll see. I've never seen his work, and blah, blah, blah. So he's like, <laughs> come to the show with me. So we went down to the Illinois Deer Classic, and, and uh, he's like, he's going to take his deer down there and get scored and enter into the contest. And so we jump in the vehicle, and they're sitting in the back, and he goes, what do you think? He kind of whispered to me, and I looked over the back, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna be just fine." <laughs> but it's, you know, and the guy—I mean, uh. I'm not gonna say his name. He's a very good taxidermist, and he knows what he's doing, and he's competed, and he's a scorer. And I mean, he, but it's commercial work. Right. There's yeah, shortcuts right. to yeah, it. Yeah, it is and, what it is. Money man. And I went to that Deer Classic, and you know, I was all questioning myself as somebody fairly new would do into an art form you know yeah, and i right. went to the show and i bet you i saw 300 350 deer hanging on the plywood walls yep. down there that day and i bet you i saw eight top-notch quality mounts Oof. 
And I was like, "That's not very good odds." Yeah, I know. That's not very good odds. I was at going all. around pointing out to my carpenter, "See that? See this? See that? See this? See the difference?" Yeah. Okay, yep. here's a good one. And I'd be like, "I came home feeling great I from bet. that show." All right, so so to so, avoid being one of the where 350 minus eight is, yeah. what is the number two thing that you look for? We got tanning. The the eyes, the ears, and the finish work. On the oh, this the is nose. huge. Yep. This is a whole podcast with just the eyes, this. especially yeah. the eyes sets the tone. Yep. Eyes and ears, man. eyes, yep. sure. eyes, ears, and the and how the nose pad is finished because finish work is all where it's at. Because you yep. can mount a nice looking skin, but if you can't do good finish work, I see it all the time. You know, it looks like a decent mount, but once you get up close and really start looking, there's a lot of detail missing, and people either don't know or they're getting them out the door fast and skimping on some. So, what are, what are the big ears? Things? Ears are the hardest thing to do on, yeah. in taxidermy, in my opinion, because you have to split them inside out and either bondo oh. inside or take the cartilage out of the ear liner. God, you showed it, me that process. Good yeah. God. And most people won't do that because it's a nightmare. Mm-mm. But if you do it for competition, I'll just say this. There's a million guys that do great Bondo ears, and there's reasons for doing them that way. And they produce a super nice commercial mount that way. But those very same guys, if they were going to go to the show, the world show, and compete, they would do ear liners. For sure. Yeah. What, yeah. So and that you do, tells you. And you do what, ear liners exactly. on all your deer, don't you? Do you have yes. telltale signs? Like, how, how do you different, diff, or, tell, how do you tell the difference? Yeah. Differentiate. <laughs> Basically, I can't say that word. How do you tell the difference? <laughs> too many Steve Weiser. Yeah. Too many Steve Weiser. Basically, man. if I was a taxidermy judge, I would walk up to your deer and I would start feeling its ears. Okay. And I would feel for the thickness, how thick they are. And if they feel like they're exactly formed to the cartilage with all the detail that ear liners have, because Bondo ears are typically thicker because you're leaving the cartilage in there and you're adding another material mm. yep. to get thicker and harder and to hold that cartilage in place while it dries. That makes sense. So you can't tell just by looking at it. It's kind of a feel thing. Um, sometimes I actually can just by the shape of the ear. Yeah. Sure. Um, but... These are Bondo in here. Yeah, we're, we're sure. looking yeah. up in here. Like, There's a in the studio. My first buck I ever shot with a bow is in here, and that's an okay mount, like whatever. But this buck above Steve is clearly Bondo ears. Yeah. It's just it's it's not terrible. I've seen way worse. A lot of times the edges will be wavy, and they just don't have the correct. If you really know deer anatomy, they don't have the correct shape of the ear because it's basically. A, you know, the cartilage will hold the shape of the ear once you turn it back inside out, but it's a general floppy yeah, skin. Right. You well, know. the thing is, it's like on the spectrum, and I've measured a lot of deer that have been mounted. So I've seen, and just, I mean, Mark, you've seen more mounts than I have. And uh, I've seen deer that on on the spectrum of being a one on a scale one to ten. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. all the way, like this buck, if you did that, like the best mounts, like, and from the worst mounts, one to ten, this buck in here above Steve is probably a seven i would say yeah. you know maybe a six or yeah. whatever but um and this turned into a taxidermy podcast really it, fast it, it did but it's all about respecting the animal so right. we're, we've got one more what what is the final question he said i gave you three i'm sure you've got a thousand that you could ask oh, but yeah. well, what uh what will be number three you know we've got the hide you know the eyes and ears what will be that third thing that you want to look for in a good taxidermist. Not saying that Bondo's a bad thing yeah, or any no, of that. And I'm not bashing it. There's a Bondo camp and an earliner camp, and then there's you know a different <laughs> way to do your clay earbuds. We've only talked about part of these. Yeah, ear. there's an 87 Camaro yeah. camp in the right way <laughs> yeah. camp. Nah, and we then, get it. You know, the detail of the eyes. Do they put nictitating membranes in the front corners of the eyes? The way the nose is finished, you know, do they build the bumps back up on the nose and have a fleshy color in between mm-hmm. the bumps and stuff like that? So... The major details, um, and then I guess the third thing I would, you know, I would, the grooming, if there's any muscle detail, but basically, I guess, ask how long they've been doing taxidermy mm. and what their turnaround time's like, because sometimes a short turnaround time is a bad thing. Everybody wants their deer back. I would agree. 
Sometimes yeah. turnaround time is a bad thing. Long turnaround time is a bad thing too. So that goes either way, you know. I mean, some well, I mean, guys. Uh, everyone wants their shit back as soon as possible. Yeah, but you got to find a happy medium. Yeah, yeah, basically ask, you know, to look at. They got photo albums. They got pictures. Just look at their amounts and look at. You can even look at reference of pictures of deer before you go to a taxidermist mm -hmm. or you know somebody recommended him or just so. think about like people i'd way overlook this think about what a deer really looks like yeah if you look at a yes. shoulder mount and you look at it and you're like yeah that looks like a mounted deer then mm -hmm. no that's not a good taxidermy but it, like, right a lot of people though i don't think actually you know when they harvest a buck or kill a buck whatever they don't actually study that deer and see what it actually looks yeah. like mm -hmm. you know yeah. So right. And most people don't really know up to close detail what it exactly yeah. should there, look like. There was That's one true, but like think about it, like if you took your shitty mount and put it on a tree and you were in a tree stand, would you be like, That thing looks sick? Yeah. <laughs> or like I the way I always tell Mark, the way I try to compliment you and I walk in, you have a mount that's on the finish stand and I'm like if that thing was hanging around a tree and I was in a tree stand, the thing would have an arrow on it. <laughs> the yeah. uh the one thing that I, it's on our YouTube page. Uh, it was Mark giving a. We're going to start doing. We're going to start doing a Mark taxidermy yeah. tip yeah. Uh, <laughs> video series. And the one thing he said was that it was that son of a bitch moment. It's just hanging right out there in daylight. He goes, "When you go to groom your deer, make sure you're grooming down." He took um how the rain falls. Yeah, how yep. the rain yep. falls. Yep. That's the one. It's that's just, the one thing I remember from that. It's yeah. like things you don't think of, but you're like, "Oh yeah, the deer are outside in the rain. They don't go in their double wide trailers. They're just hanging out." <laughs> Thank you. In the that. rain. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I could have gone single wide, but we have a double wide audience. I'm sure. Classy <laughs> for sure. I yeah. love you guys. But it was one of those double wide audience. It's just it's it well, it's obvious just, things. It's that just like anything. It's overlooked. You know, you want to learn more about your bow. You want to learn more about, you know, your land. You want to learn more about what your deer are doing on your property. Why not learn a little bit more about what goes on with them? When you oh, harvest exactly. them. For sure. You know, right. I but mean, it, it's, it's check out their eyes. Check out their nose. They're cool, man. Check them out. It's your profession, too. Like, you yeah. take note of that. Like, me as a welder, like, if I see something that's welded, yeah. I'll pick that thing out. Like, say, if hey, you see this, a weld that looks like oh, a yeah, bird like, shit all over yeah, it, like, it's this Eric. Looks like, this looks like <laughs> it's shit. Eric. Yeah. You know, whenever whenever went up to a farmer with a new platform, I would scope that thing over up and down, just check it out, see if it's right. all good. Let's talk about going from taxidermy. Um, Talking about like I maybe I want to touch on like the learning curve of hunting, like going from learning to hunt, being successful, getting more into it, and then all of a sudden it turns yeah. around to where you're like, I want to give back. And I think I talked about this before, like when if I ever have kids, I feel like I'll get to the point like hopefully I kill the the dream animals I want to. Well, wanna... but you got a good situation going on. You took Sam out to hunt a couple times. Yeah, so I guess yeah, I guess I'm kind yeah. of like skipping ahead in a way with that aspect. Yeah, but. let's let's talk about that and then let's come back because uh, hopefully you and Sam have kids and I can uh, babysit them. Oh Jesus! Oh God, no! Don't let that happen. <laughs> don't do that, um, Kurt. Uh, Uncle Steve. Well, I mean, I think a lot of guys and or girls like and uh, I would say Audrey from Scent Crusher. She, she, I guess her husband now they have both hunted. But <laughs> funny story there. So check out that podcast with Audrey. Um, yep. Her husband basically shot a deer out from underneath her. Um, which, Can you blame the guy though? What a, what a way to! Yeah. We got to get him on a podcast and let him tell his redemption Was story. Was that the first date? No, no. If memory serve. Okay, first date yeah. he fell out of a tree stand. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That was it. He wow. fell out of his tree stand and while he broke his ankle. <laughs> oh no! But it's just I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things you automatically want to give back after you were, you hunted for so long and, and killed some animals. And I don't know. It's one of those things. You want to share the experience with, sure. with people you care about or um, or even like kids. You feel like, you know, this mm -hmm. could be beneficial to your life sure. like in a, in a deeper way than killing an animal, obviously, you know. Yeah. but uh, Well, it's like, it's like what Mark said. It's always a learning curve, and you always want to make yourself better. So, like, if you yeah. can introduce someone to it or get your kids involved or your 
significant other, whatever it is, you're going to do it. It expands the experiences of the people that you bond with. For sure. Especially when it's your family. I remember the first time I took my son bow hunting one morning in a double wide and we're sitting there and it's dark and we're eating a pop tart and having a little talk and all of a sudden deer goes right underneath us and... And he still says that. Dad, remember when we went hunting and we were eating the pop tarts and that deer came? I mean, you're never going to forget that. I will never, never forget. forget that. So I mean, it's yeah, it's just such a heritage thing you can spread throughout. Oh sure, other people sure. and get them involved. And you know, some kids and some people need something like that to find for a path in life and and you know, stay out of trouble or do something right. You know, that's you know positive and and then you can expand your friendships and and all that through that and experiences and i mean you could lead some if you take somebody hunting you could lead them into a life of they may be a taxidermist they may run a podcast they may own a bone shop a bow shop someday well it's like or deeper friendships i I don't know what it is maybe i just i don't know any different because it's my life and Mm -hmm. i just that's all i know i don't know any different from what i live but like i feel like we have our circle of working class bow hunter guys, we call the WCBOGs, yeah. and we talk every day. All yeah. of us. There's a group of like a handful of I don't know eight, yeah. six, Ten, eight of twelve. Yeah. I, lost I don't count. know, but like we talk every day, and it's like it's always about hunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always. It's that's what brought us all together. It's archery and hunting, and even archery alone. Even if they don't hunt, archery is a yeah. beautiful thing, and uh, that really brings people together. And that's, but essentially, the goal behind the whole podcast is. One, it's fun. Two, we get to do what we want and brings people. And I want to inspire people to shoot their bow oh, yeah. and and chase deer and take it in a different aspect rather than I don't know. I just I want it to be, be deeper than just the surface of like oh, I hunt. Yeah, right. but you know, what, what I people- do want to warn you guys. You introduce someone to bow hunting. They might shoot a bigger deer than you. Ask Clark Cummings <laughs> with his son, Matt. 196 centuries. Awesome. That episode aired, uh, what, three weeks ago or something? Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Respect the Game Sportsman's channel. They, we shared the teaser on our uh, Facebook page. Yeah, I mean, but that, you know what, we joke, but how great of a moment would that be? For that sure. you oh, get to take your, your boy out, and Matt is a great kid. His father is a fantastic human being. That kid is going to do something big, man, in the industry. He has sold his Xbox to go snow goose hunting. I remember I was talking to Clark at the Iowa Deer Classic. Like, (laughs) dude, do you snow goose hunt? And he's like, I've never had an interest in snow goose hunting. That's Matt's deal. (laughs) He shoots 196 inch. Yep. Clark was the happiest dude on the planet. Clark Ruff measured it at 196. We did oh, a podcast. He was close, He's like, yeah. let me let me double check it. I measured it 196. Nice. <laughs> nice. But, uh, it's, it's those moments it's that uh, when you get into things like this, you get into bow hunting. Well, it's come first. It's come first circle or yeah. full circle by then. Well, you know when you start, and I remember seeing those first little antlers with the John Deere hats hanging. Hanging up on them, and I killed my first deer. Right, you know, when I was a little kid. And then you grow, and you start hunting, you start getting in the industry. Somehow, you love it, you pay attention to it, and then you have kids, and then you teach your kid and experience them. It's like you've come full circle, and then well, your and grandpa in the picture. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's something so, you never let go either. I mean, yeah. no matter what happens, you could get out of hunting for a few years, but you always come still back to it in you. some way. Yeah, it's still you always you. do. Uh, we all have yeah. some of the top hunting memories. We didn't even kill deer. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for it's sure. just great being there. Oh, right. yeah. I could tell yeah. you a million stories where I was unsuccessful, but I had the greatest time. Oh, but, right. but they're almost, not almost, you know, they're just so, it's memories that you can never let go of, and you were there, you experienced it, and you loved it. Because you're you, always learning. You're all, Yeah, I mean, you're always learning. if you don't, I mean, if people, you see deer, you're learning something. Yeah, yeah people want to buy, if if in there's a lot of saying, you know, if you could bottle that up and sell it, you'd be the wealthiest oh, yeah. person to ever well, live. For like sure. all of us have, you know, I've got hundreds of friends, but, you know, and I love them all, but I talk to the ones that hunt the most. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just the way yep. it goes. It's just where it's deeper for me. And Well, it's a natural common yeah. interest. Like people who are in, I'm just for no absolute reason at all, I'm going to throw this out there, CrossFit. People that are in a CrossFit mm-hmm. talk to their CrossFit buddies. I'm oh, sure. for sure. But yeah. I, want, I don't feel, and I might be completely wrong, way yeah. off. I might be 100% wrong. But 
I feel like people that hunt, it's a deeper passion uh, because it's a different, sure. it's a different connection. Yeah. It's more of a natural. Well, and that's why I always say, like, when we always go to these shows and stuff, and like we go have a cocktail afterwards or whatever, <laughs> a cocktail. It's, it's all hunt people, and we get along with everyone yeah. there. We have some interest to talk about, which brings up a good yep. point. We had a great time with the Iowa Classic yes, that we did, we did. And, uh, and I guess we're gonna we're yeah. we're kind of in closing at this point, but I, I do want to ask. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if next year, the Iowa Classic in Des Moines, Iowa, I think it's the first weekend of March every year. If, you, if you're if you in the area, make it out to that. Yes. Man. And uh, get a hotel. Stay Saturday into Sunday and, and, and go out and have a good time with your buddies. Celebrate hunting. And, and you go out to a couple of the hot spots, and you'll see people from the show, and you get to mix it up with people. <laughs> yeah, you and, will. And it's not just all about drinking. It's not. But it's socializing. You get to meet people and make connections and make new friends. But and, you see those big-time people in at the bar or whatever, and you can walk up and talk to them, and they're the nicest people you ever oh, meet. Oh, for sure. I met Pat Reeves that way. Yeah. Greatest guy on the planet. Happened to Clark knew him. He, we walked up, and he introduced me, and I was like, he was a really good dude. Really nice guy. And Jared Scheffler, awesome guy. Jared, yep. Had it not been for hunting, you know, probably wouldn't have made that connection to talk to these people. And it was awesome. One thing I want to mention, um, and kind of, and we're also tapering down into closing is uh, talking about hunting and the heritage of hunting and the friendships. Join some sort of club, yes, or conservation program or something. Whether it's Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young, even NRA. Um, or even a local organization. I yeah, mean, your yeah. local archery club, yep. whatever it may be, do something. Whitetails Unlimited. Yep, Whitetails Unlimited. Just support it in however you can, um, because that's all beneficial and it's all it, it's it supports what we do and what we what we uh, what we're all about. So I, I personally, I'm a, a member of Pope and Young Club, and I've been a measure and a member since I've been a member since 2009 and a measure since 2010. And so. we're we're all here members of uh, Whitetails Unlimited. If you haven't been to a banquet. It's such a great time. It, it's everything we talked about. You basically find it there. You go. You gotta have a good meal. Could win a couple guns. Everybody's there for one reason: white-tailed deer. Yep. And it's such a good time. Maybe T-Bone might show up. You never know. Well, you'll know if you if you check the flyer. But <laughs> those are really fun times where you get to just hang out, talk deer hunting, enjoy life, and that's that's what. It's all about for well, us anyway. That's what keeps it going. That's dude. what it is. And that's what keeps kids excited, you know, and yeah. keeps people, you know, gives you something to take your kid to do, gives you something to go, you know, keep fueling your fire. Otherwise, you Some, sit something, exactly. and, something to look forward to. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, it's those things that keep the history and the heritage going. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. if, if we don't put forth anything into the cons- conservation or efforts, then it's not going to be there anymore. You're not going to pass it down. It's not going to. Yeah, it's not going to keep going. You're supporting what you love to be able to do. So exactly. I did want to ask Mark one thing. Yes, Mark, you talked about all the hundreds of friends you got, all the hunting friends. Out of the three of us sitting at this end of the table, who's your favorite? <laughs> oh, shit. Come on. You're putting them on the spot. Just turn into a Mark Reif interview. Yeah. you got to pick one. I'm going to have to say all of you. I love you all. Oh, That's a lie. He's the nicest you guy you'll ever yep. meet. But if you had to pick one. Like, yeah, if you had to pick one, like uh, if guns to your head. I have, to, I have to go with Kurt. I've known Kurt longer. I just oh, have to. Here we My go. man. I just Worst answer ever. All right, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. If it yeah, came yeah, to like kicking one of us off a mountain, who would you kick first? Uh, depends on who's carrying the most supplies. Son, you know, I'm the <laughs> Steve, mule. you're gone, brother. Yeah, get out of here. I'm the ox. I'm carrying the most. <laughs> well, Steve won't yeah. even make it to the top, so we don't yeah, have to worry about that. Yeah, that's a good so, point. Yeah. Man, that air is too thin. <laughs> that, uh, this was a, this was a so fun episode. We burned out this podcast enough, so what I'm going to do to burn it out even let's more. Let's hear it. Is we're going to ask Mark some rapid fire. No, <laughs> are we really? Yeah, yeah because money it. bags. And it, if, funny. if you guys ended it right before this, you know, it's our show. We'll do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. We're going to hit Mark with some rapid fire <laughs> money back. So if you want to shut the podcast off now, go shoot your bow. We love you. Oh, you're the best. Oh, yeah. But if you want to hang around, we're going to ask Mark some rapid fire questions. <laughs> First question, Mark, who's your favorite pro wrestler? Oh, gosh. You know what day it is, I by know. the way. I'm going to have to go stone cold because he said so. Oh, give me a hell yeah. <laughs> favorite movie, Mark. Oh, my goodness. Favorite movie. Um. <laughs> Say the deer hunter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> favorite movie. 
That's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> just because it's on the top of my head, because Steve posted something about it last night. Gran Torino is awesome. Oh, great. <laughs> There's movie. a million other ones. <laughs> great but, movie. But just because that one's right fresh in my mind. Favorite band. Oh, favorite band. Oh my gosh. All time, like history growing up. Uh, favorite band that means the most to me throughout my life growing up would have to be Metallica for sure. Oh, yeah. nice. I grew I up in the heart of that age, you know. Did you get their new album that came out like six months ago? Uh, it's good, it's man. Really, really good. I'm pretty yeah. pumped about it. Huh. Um, favorite. Uh, I'm gonna skip. I'm kind of skipping through here. Uh, favorite restaurant. Favorite restaurant. Uh, anything pizza. I'm going to go La Roma's Pizza in Geneseo. Oh, right. never had Old that. Italians. They got classic. good pie there? Oh, dude, yeah. Great pie. Yeah, right, great hey, pie. That's where we're going when yep. we're working on the mounts. Get the meat lovers. It's good stuff. Finish yeah. the sentence. During hunting season, my wife blank. Gets mad at me all the damn time. <laughs> <laughs> classic answer. All of my tree stands are blank. Feet high. Nope. All my tree stands are blank. Um, all my tree stands are not in a good enough hunting. Oh, wait. Not on a good enough piece of hunting ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eric, I saw you edit that, and I love that. I edited that on the fly. That is great. That's cool. I'm going to take out feet high out. Okay. That, that is fantastic. During the off season, my favorite thing to do is blank. During the off season, my favorite thing is just... Um... I guess shoot my bow, probably. Hang out with my daughter. Solid answer. Or kids, kids when, I guess. When I'm bored in the tree stand, I like to blank. Uh-oh. Text Kurt, apparently. Yeah. Look at my stupid phone. <laughs> like I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Message you guys on WCB. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All right, here we go. Eric, what do you got to add? This is the end of the episode. I don't know. Nothing. You're a man of of, of, of many words. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Eric. Eric is the most pissed off he's ever been in his life. What do you got to say? Eh, nothing really. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Mark. Whatever. Anything? Uh, I've been thinking a lot about trying to do habitat improvements. So mm. even if you can't do a lot on your own property because it's not yours, uh, there's got to be something you can do. So. When That's a podcast in the works. Yeah, when you're bored and in the off season, wrap your brain around what can I do? Come up with different ideas. Steve, dare I ask? You dare. All right, Skip. Kurt, no. yeah. Kurt what uh, you <laughs> Seriously, you know, I, I touch on it before, but uh, but Jesus Christ, son, Kurt, the things that you do for this podcast, <laughs> uh, we couldn't come here each and every week and put this stuff out. I'm going to give a cheers to you. Right now, Aaron, make, them, make long, them clank on camera. I'll give I have, a long distance uh, knuckles. I appreciate you appreciating me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've said it for a long time, man. Uh, you're the heart and soul of this podcast. I really appreciate everything you do, um, even if I don't tell you when we're not on air. But thank you for that. Let's keep uh, hammering these things out, huh? Well, thank you guys for... Should we talk about the little giveaway we're doing quick? Yeah, we're yeah, going to do, doing a giveaway on Facebook for uh, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Eric has a monster Iowa shed in here. You basically just have to guess the size, tag two buddies, like our page, like Smith's page, and uh, throw a guess at it. If you're local, this this one will mean a lot to you. We'll give you a discount on Smith's Processing. If you're not local, it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. But guess, <laughs> I mean, you, you could drive it down to him. Guess, you could. But, Here's yeah. the thing. Guess anyway for fun. And tag a couple of buddies, and then we'll send you some stickers or some goodies and uh, make it worth your while. All you got to do is throw a number out. Plus, it's fun to educate yourself on antler size. So uh, that's all we got this week, this podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it all over the board. We had a great time. We oh, love yeah. mixing it up with no uh, set point topic. Taking it back to the Chopping roots. it up. Hunting camp style. Chopping it up. Yep. So Damn right. We love you. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. Find a shed or two. We love you. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.